This is Space Time, Series 23, Episode 102, for broadcast on the 30th of September, 2020. Coming up on Space Time, a new study claims the Sun may have had a binary partner, a new more puzzling view of our universe, and proving that space is hard, Astra fails in its latest attempt to launch a rocket. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. A new study claims the Sun may once have been part of a binary star system with a close-orbiting companion star of similar mass. If confirmed, the hypothesis reported in the Astrophysical Journal increases the likelihood that the so-called Oort cloud originated as part of our solar system rather than just being a collection of loosely gravitationally bound interstellar objects and that Planet 9, if it exists, is a captured rogue planet rather than having formed within the solar system. Stars form in collapsing molecular gas and dust clouds in stellar nurseries, which can contain dozens to millions of stars. And while stars will drift away from their siblings over time, most stars in our galaxy have remained as part of a binary or multi-star system. Our nearest stellar neighbour, Alpha Centauri, is a perfect example of this, consisting of three stars, Alpha Centauri A and B, which orbit each other, and Proxima Centauri, which orbit the pair. So our Sun is unusual in that it's a solo star, all by itself. Now this new hypothesis has come from the fertile mind of Dr. Avi Loeb from Harvard University. He says the existence of a long-lost stellar binary companion for our Sun could explain the formation of the Oort cloud as it's observed today. Popular theory associates the formation of the Oort cloud with debris left over from the formation of our solar system and its neighbours, where objects were scattered by the planets to great distances and some were exchanged amongst other stars. Now, previous models have always had difficulty in producing the expected ratios between scattered disk objects and outer Oort cloud objects. But the binary capture model could well be the missing piece in the puzzle, offering significant improvements and refinements. And if the Oort cloud was indeed captured with the help of an early stellar companion, then its implications for our understanding of the solar system's formation would also need to change significantly. Loeb says binary systems are far more efficient at capturing objects than single star systems. And if the Oort cloud formed as observed, or at least as theorised, it would imply that the Sun did indeed have a companion of similar mass that was lost before the Sun left its stellar cluster. But more than just redefining the formation of our solar system, evidence of a captured Oort cloud could also answer questions about the origins of life on Earth. Objects in this outer Oort cloud could have played important roles in Earth's history, such as possibly delivering water to Earth and even causing the extinction of the dinosaurs. The model would also have implications for the hypothesized Planet 9, which Loeb and colleagues believe isn't alone out there. See, Loeb says the puzzle isn't only understanding the Oort cloud, but also the role of extreme trans-Neptunian objects like the hypothesized Planet 9. He says it's unclear where they came from, and this new model predicts that there should be more objects out there with similar orbital orientations to Planet 9. Of course, both the Oort cloud and the proposed location of Planet 9 are so distant from the Sun that direct observation and assessment are challenging for today's researchers. 
But the authors believe that the Vera C. Rubin Observatory, which is slated to see its first light next year, should be able to confirm or deny the existence of Planet Nine and its origins. If Rubin verifies the existence of Planet Nine and a captured origin, and also finds a population of similarly captured dwarf planets, then, according to Loeb, the binary model would be favoured over the long-assumed lone star history of our solar system. Of course, if the Sun did have an early companion that contributed to the formation of our solar system, then its absence begs the rather obvious question, where did it go? Loeb says the gravitational influence of other stars in the Sun's birth stellar cluster would have removed the Sun's binary companion. But Loeb believes the solar system would have already captured the Oort cloud and Planet Nine long before the loss of the binary. You've got to admit, it's an interesting idea. This is space time. Still to come, a more puzzling view of the universe, and proving that space is hard, Arista fails in its latest attempt to launch a rocket. All that and more still to come on Space Time. Today's edition of Space Time is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at tryexpressvpn.com space. That's tryexpressvpn.com slash space for three months free with a one-year package. Visit tryexpressvpn.com slash space to learn more. You're listening to Space Time with Stuart Gary. New data from the Sloan Digital Sky Survey suggests the current rate of expansion of the universe, known as the Hubble constant, is about 10% lower than the expansion rate measured from distances to very nearby galaxies. The surprising discovery was part of a comprehensive analysis of what's now the largest three-dimensional map of the universe ever created, filling in the most significant gaps in our possible exploration of its history. The new results come from EBOS, the Extended Baryon Oscillation Spectroscopic Survey, an international collaboration of more than 100 astrophysicists that's one of the Sloan Digital Sky Survey's key components. At the heart of the new results are detailed measurements of more than 2 million galaxies and quasars, covering some 11 billion years of cosmic time. The results, based on some 20 years of observations, are allowing astronomers to study how fast the universe is expanding and how fast structures are forming. Scientists have had a good handle on both the ancient history of the universe and its more recent expansion history. But there's a troublesome gap in the middle 11 billion years. So, for the past five years, the authors have been working to try and fill that gap. Scientists know what the universe looked like in its infancy, thanks to intensive research measuring the relative amounts of elements created soon after the Big Bang 13.82 billion years ago, and then through detailed studies of the cosmic microwave background radiation, the first light from the universe just 380,000 years after the Big Bang which is still all around us today, but cooled down to just 2.7 degrees above absolute zero. Astronomers also know the cosmic expansion history of the universe over the last few billion years thanks to galaxy maps and distant measurements, including those from previous phases of what used to be called the Sloan Digital All-Sky Survey. A close look at the new map reveals the usual filaments and voids that define the large-scale structure of the universe starting from the time when the universe was only 380,000 years old. 
astronomers have been able to use the new map to determine patterns in the distribution of galaxies, which give key parameters to our universe to better than 1% accuracy. The cosmic history shows that about 6 billion years ago, the expansion of the universe began to accelerate, and it's continued to get faster and faster ever since. Scientists are putting this expansion down to an invisible component in the universe, which they're simply naming dark energy. Dark because they have no idea what it is. They know dark energy exists because they can see its influence on the large-scale expansion of the universe. Now, it could just be a cosmological constant as suggested by Albert Einstein, but that's extremely difficult to reconcile with theories of particle physics. Relativity theory on the cosmic scale and quantum theory on the subatomic scale don't like each other. The new data suggests that the current rate of expansion of the universe, known as the Hubble constant, is about 10% lower than the value found from distances to very nearby galaxies. The high precision of the extended baryon oscillation spectroscopic survey data means that it's highly unlikely that this mismatch is due to chance and the rich variety of the data provides multiple ways to provide the same conclusion. There is no broadly accepted explanation for this discrepancy in measured expansion rates. But one exciting possibility is that some previously unknown form of matter or energy from the early universe may have left a trace in our history. In total, the extended baryon oscillation spectroscopic survey team have covered the results of more than 20 scientific papers. Their latest map, dating back some 6 billion years, used large red galaxies, that's galaxies no longer making lots of new stars. Further out, they used younger blue galaxies, those undergoing vigorous starburst. And finally, to map the universe 11 billion years in the past and more, they used quasars, the bright centres of galaxies lit up by material falling into their central supermassive black holes. Each of these samples required careful analysis in order to remove contaminants and reveal the patterns of the universe. The end results left scientists with this puzzle of dark energy and the continued mismatch of the local and early universe's expansion rates as a legacy for future projects. This report from the Sloan Digital Sky Survey team. It's hard to overstate the importance and impact of SDSS. It really has opened up new frontiers in astronomy in multiple ways. The beginning of the project began with an idea people had in the early 1990s to make imaging survey of the sky, an image of large fraction of the sky, and get distances to a million galaxies. Over the last 20 years, these galaxy surveys have dominated the field of galaxy surveys. These have been the redshift surveys, the biggest, the best, the most influential, the most important that have happened. It really is incredible that one instrument on a two and a half meter telescope, which is quite small in modern terms, has produced such a scientific legacy. It was almost immediately transformative. It was a survey whose ambition was 30 times bigger than any previous survey of its kind. And that, to me, meant that we could make a, a big difference in our understanding of the universe. The Sloan Digital Sky Survey has a huge legacy, not just because of the science that we've done within the team, but because of the data we've provided to the community. And we have spent a lot of time making that data really well calibrated, really useful, and well documented. 
So really the SDSS has produced an incredible resource for the community which is being used in many, many scientific papers and studies beyond those of the team in which I'm involved. As well as taking the data, as a team we've developed some incredible tools for analyzing galaxy surveys. The discovery of the baryon acoustic oscillation and it honing over the course of 10 or 15 years as such an important cosmological tool has been an amazing thing. Not only have the, the surveys discovered this important tool, but a whole community has developed who's honed it, who's learned how to use it effectively and reliably and really work together in a group that is hundreds of people, spans several continents, many countries, and is working together in a cooperative and constructive way to learn more about our universe. And there you heard from the Sloan Digital Sky Surveys Director, Michael Blankton from New York University, and Extended Baryon Oscillation Spectroscopic Survey Scientist, Will Percival from the University of Waterloo. This is Space Time. Still to come, proving that space is hard, Arista fails in its latest attempt to launch a rocket. And later in the science report, a new study confirms that wildlife populations have plunged by 68% since 1970. Oh, what are we doing to our planet? Well, they say space is hard, and that's something Astra Aerospace now know, following the failure of their latest launch attempt from the Alaskan Pacific Spaceport Complex on Kodiak Island. The test flight was the company's third and follows two suborbital launch attempts for Alaskan Aerospace in 2018, neither of which was successful. Although the companies rejected that, claiming both flights were successful, but they admit the second flight was shorter than planned. Vision of the company's latest launch attempt shows an unexpected first-stage engine cutout during the ascent phase of the mission, followed by the launch vehicle tumbling back down to the ground and exploding. A spokesperson later described it all as the launch simply being terminated early. The launch vehicle, simply known as Rocket 3.1, was a two-stage rocket equipped with five first-stage Delphine rocket motors burning RP-1 kerosene and liquid oxygen. The Delphine engines are arranged in a Pentagon pattern and powered by electrically driven turbo pumps similar to the Rutherford engines manufactured by Rocket Lab to power their electron rocket. The mission had planned to deliver a 150-kilogram payload into a 500-kilometre-high sun-synchronous orbit. The flight had been delayed by several months due to bad weather, sensor and other technical issues, and on one occasion, a boat illegally entering the exclusion zone prior to launch. Astra have always remained secretive about their operations. We know they're currently working on orbital rockets to provide rideshare services for the US Department of Defence. The company says it has plans to activate a second launch site in the Marshall Islands and already has more than a dozen launch contracts. Companies based at the former Alameda Naval Air Station on San Francisco Bay. The Alaskan Pacific Spaceport Complex is located on Kodiak Island. It consists of two launch pads, which are used for a range of different orbital and suborbital missions. 
The launch vehicles using the facility have included three-stage Lockheed Martin Athena rockets, Ares sounding rockets, Minotaur four-stage rockets, which are derived from Peacekeeper intercontinental ballistic missiles, Polaris two-stage ballistic missiles, which would normally be launched from submarines, and Israeli Defense Force Arrow 3 two-stage rockets, which were part of a joint Israeli-United States project to develop new hypersonic anti-ballistic and anti-satellite missile systems. This is Space Time. And time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with a science report. A new study has confirmed that wildlife populations plunged by 68% between 1970 and 2016. The study by the WWF and the Zoological Society of London also found that only 25% of the planet can still be considered wilderness. The grim new numbers are based on global data on 20,811 populations of 4,392 vertebrate species. Worst hit is Latin America and the Caribbean, where the animal population has dropped by an average of 94%. The study found that food production is the biggest driver of the loss of nature, with about half of all the world's habitable land area now used for agriculture. A new study has found that turmeric extract may help combat pain for people with osteoarthritis in their knees. However, a report in the Annals of Internal Medicine found the extract had no impact on knee structure, such as on joint swelling or cartilage makeup. The trials involving 70 patients compared the extract to placebo, finding it provided a modest but statistically significant reduction in knee pain over 12 weeks. Those in the turmeric group also needed fewer painkillers than those in the placebo group. The researchers say multi-centre trials with larger sample sizes and longer duration follow-ups are now needed to assess the clinical significance of their findings. Well, the old saying that everyone knows what men really think with has been proven wrong, with a new study showing the locus of male sexual desire is actually in specific regions of the brain, which contain a key gene called amorites. This gene has been found to convert testosterone to estrogen in the brain, which then drives male sexual activity. The findings, reported in the Journal of Endocrinology, are the first to show Amorites' full function in the adult brain, which had not previously been known. It turns out Amorites is the key enzyme for estrogen production. Estrogen has functions in both male and females. Scientists say the findings could contribute to new treatments for disorders of sexual desire. Archaeologists have discovered the ruins of a 2,600-year-old royal building in Jerusalem. Scientists with the Israeli Antiquities Authority have so far unearthed adorned limestone capitals, lavish window frames incorporating balustrades composed of stylish columns, as well as other proto-Aeolian architectural building segments at the dig site in the City of David. The newly discovered royal structure was built in the period between the days of King Hezekiah and King Josiah during the restoration of Jerusalem after the Assyrian siege of the city in 701 BCE. The finds also included numerous damaged items dating back to the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem in the year 586 BCE. That's the show for now. 
Spacetime is available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcast download provider, and from SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com. Spacetime's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial-free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group and other rewards. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.com for full details. And if you want more space time, please check out our blog, where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at StuartGary on Twitter, at SpacetimeWithStuartGary on Instagram, through our Spacetime YouTube channel. And on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. And Spacetime is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Spacetime with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 